Thanks for listening to the Embrace Church podcast. Wherever you're at today, we hope this message encourages you to take a step towards Jesus. Let's jump in. Well, what's up, Embrace? Glad to be with you today. Uh, if we've not met before, my name is Travis. I get to be one of our pastors here, and I am pumped up uh, to get to wrap up one of the message series that we have been in called Underrated, uh, where we've looked at these lesser-known people and one donkey in the Bible, and we've talked about what we can learn from their lives. Now, uh, I'm a glass-half-full kind of guy. Okay, I'm an optimist, so I like this series. I like going out of our way to study people and donkeys, apparently, uh, that don't get enough credit. So I am in on this series, and I'm in on underrated things. So to get started, before we get to our underrated uh, person today, I just wanted to give you a couple underrated things uh, that we can celebrate together. Okay, the first one is this. Uh, NFL training camp has begun. Uh, Maybe many of us are already pumped up for just that. Uh, But if you are a person who hates football, uh, you, you will soon get the underrated opportunity to pretend to care about your coworkers' fantasy football team. Get excited about that. Uh, another underrated thing that I was excited about this week, I went to Costco and I didn't have to wait in line at the checkout, which was really nice. Uh, but even more than that, um, on my way out to my vehicle, no one nearly hit me with their car in the parking lot, which doesn't happen very often. So I was excited uh, to celebrate that as well. Uh, last one is this. Two weeks ago, uh, I found a crumpled up $20 bill and $5 bill in my pocket, and I have yet to spend either one, okay? And that's a big deal, because usually when I find cash, that money is immediately gone, because it's for sure extra, and it's immediately used to buy something used and probably unnecessary on Facebook Marketplace, but not this time, friends. No, nope, it's right here. Just kidding, it's not. I used it to buy a camping grill, actually. Uh, It was a really, really good deal. They were practically giving the thing away. Uh, So anyways, uh, this brings us to our underrated person that we are going to look at today. Uh, And that person is a man named Enoch. Uh, His name is Enoch. And there is a lot to know about Enoch, and there is a lot to learn from Enoch. Uh, But the first thing that we need to know is this. Uh, Enoch, he had some very famous family members. Okay, many of us know Adam and Eve, the first people to walk the earth. So uh, Enoch was Adam and Eve's great, 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 great grandson, four greats grandson of Adam and Eve. That was Enoch. He was also the great grandfather of a guy named Noah. Uh, Many of us know Noah and the ark that he built. Uh, And then finally, uh, Enoch was the father of Methuselah. Methuselah is famous uh, because he was the oldest human to have ever lived. Methuselah lived to 969 years old. The oldest person to have ever lived was Enoch's son. So Enoch, Enoch, he is this classic underrated person because he is surrounded by all of these famous people known for doing all of these incredible, interesting things, and yet he is just a footnote. Right? He is the father of the oldest human to have ever lived. He's the great-grandfather of the guy who built the big ark. Okay? He is the answer to a Bible trivia question. He is just a footnote. And yet, as I looked at his life and I studied what he was all about, I learned that he is anything but a footnote. Instead, he is a man worth knowing. And Enoch, Enoch lived a life worth learning from. And so that is what we are going to do uh, today. Uh, Here's where we're introduced to Enoch in Genesis chapter 5. It says this. 
It says, when Jared had lived 162 years, he became the father of Enoch. After he became the father of Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had other sons and daughters. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he became the father of Methuselah. Now, I mentioned some of this already, but I wanted to highlight this verse because it really points to something that is interesting. Uh, People during Enoch's time, they lived a lot longer and had kids a lot later in life than we do today. Like Jared, Enoch's dad had him at 162 years old. That's pretty old. And then he lived another 800 years after that, which is hard for us to imagine, right? Like my wife and I, we had our two girls in our 30s. Based on how it's going so far, we're going to be lucky to make it to 60. So this is like way different. Um, but I wanted, to, I wanted to let you know that scholars and kind of Bible teachers do have uh, some reasons and some like kind of descriptions uh, for why uh, this might be, uh, these longer lifespans might be. We don't have time to get into those reasons uh, today, but if you are interested, I encourage you to go to our website. We have some resources on there and also any one of our pastors, including myself, would be honored uh, to chat with you about this. Uh, but this is what scripture goes on to say about Enoch. It says, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God took him away. So this, this right here, and what we just read previously, that's really all we have on Enoch. There's a couple of spots where he's mentioned in other places in scripture where we learn that he's a teacher and a prophet, but this, this is really what we know. We know when he lived, we know who his relatives were, and we know this. We know that Enoch walked faithfully with God, and that might not seem like a lot to go on, uh, but this part in particular, that Enoch walked faithfully with God, is really all we need to know. Uh, There was this well-known pastor and Bible teacher, a guy named Charles Spurgeon. He put it this way about Enoch. He said, Enoch walked with God 300 years. What a splendid walk. One might desire a change of company if he walked with anybody else, but to walk with God for three centuries was so sweet that the man kept on with his walk until he walked beyond time and space and walked into paradise. Now, if you are anything like me, you might have a lot of goals for this life on this earth. You might have a lot of things that you want to do, a lot of things that you want to accomplish. But what Enoch did with his life should be something for all of us to chase. This sweet life spent walking side by side faithfully with God is something that all of us should chase. Because think about this. When we walk with someone, right? We keep their pace. When they speed up, we speed up. When we walk with someone, when they slow down, we slow down. When they stop, we stop. And Enoch, he spent his life doing this with God. He's speeding up for the things that God speeds up for, slowing down for the things that God slows down for, and stopping for the things that God stops for. See, something that we can learn from Enoch is to keep pace with God, to keep pace with God, to stay in step with him, to be near enough to God, to have God's influence on his life, to walk with him and keep pace side by side with God. There's something that we can learn from Enoch. 
Now, I don't know about you, but this, this is not my default. Keeping pace with God, walking side by side with God is not my default. And, and in fact, I don't even keep my own pace. Often my pace for my life is set by my calendar. My pace for my life is set by my responsibilities. My pace for my life is set by the expectations of people around me. My default is to not keep pace with God. And the only problem with that is that it doesn't work. I'll give you an example of it not working. Uh, last Wednesday, I had a particularly busy day. My family and I, we were going out of town the following day, uh, but I had a full work day ahead of me that day, and then I had a whole bunch of things that I needed to get done before we left for our trip the next day. So I looked at my calendar that morning, and based on all the things that I needed to get done, before I left for work that day, that morning, I needed to pack, I needed to mow the yard, and I needed to work out because bodies like this don't just happen. You know what I'm saying? So started at 6.15, the workout, everything went great. I went out and mowed my yard. I was done by eight o'clock. Everything was great. Uh, My neighbors were maybe a little annoyed because I was mowing so early in the morning, Um, but I was happy about it. And I went inside, I showered, I got dressed for the day, 8.15, ready to go, was probably going to be just in time for my 8.30 meeting where my day started. I was happy. Went out, I kissed my one-year-old, I kissed my four-year-old, I kissed my wife, and I was out the door. I got to my vehicle, and it's locked. No big deal. Certainly my keys are just inside. I'll just go grab them. So I ran inside, uh, saw my four-year-old. I was like, hey, baby, dad's just going to grab this really quick. No need to talk to me or anything like that. I'm just going to grab my keys and head out. Uh, Looked in all the normal places that my keys are. They were not there. My four-year-old comes up to me, wants to share some different things. Like, baby, this is so nice, but daddy just needs to find his keys. Everything's normal and cool. No big deal. Um, And then I start to get a little bit panicked because I still can't find them. And so I start to look in all of the random places that keys end up being, like in toy boxes or refrigerators or under chairs and couches, things like that. And I still can't find them. Uh, And things start to get a lot less casual after that. Uh, Thankfully, my wife and my girls were uh, out the door at that point. So it's just me uh, kind of frantically ravaging our house for my keys, okay? Throwing clothes around, clearing off countertops. I'm no longer casual. Now I'm mad uh, because I'm embarrassed right? Nobody likes being late for meetings, and I'm particularly like, I'm going to look bad. They're going to think that I don't have my life together. It's going to throw off my entire schedule. And finally, after I can't find my keys for about 20 minutes, I just start screaming, where are my keys? Why do we need to keep pace with God? Because keeping our own pace, it just doesn't work. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. This is the message version of what Jesus said. He said, walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. See, when we keep our own pace, when we let our calendar, the expectations of people around us set the pace for our life, we don't get this. We don't slow down enough to experience the unforced rhythms of grace. Doesn't that sound great? I love the way that this message uh, version puts it when Jesus says, I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting 
on you. When we keep our own pace, life starts to get really heavy. And what do we do? We start to lay all of these things on ourselves that just don't fit, right? It's ill-fitting. We do all of these things to our schedules and our lives. They just don't fit. For me on that Wednesday, uh, my entire pace hinged on everything going perfectly. I was great until one small thing went wrong. But here's the thing, like, something always goes wrong, right? This time it was my keys, but it's always something else. By the way, you're probably wondering, where was his keys? Uh, I left them in my wife's van the previous night, um, and so she brought them back to me later, which was really nice. I was like 15 minutes late for my first meeting. I want to give you that payoff, because you're probably thinking, we can't move on until we know where my keys are. But again, something always happens. Something always gets in the way. And so don't miss this. Like keeping pace with God, sometimes we think it always means that we have to slow down. But oftentimes keeping pace with God, really it just means that we're close enough to him to have his influence on our life. We might be just as busy. We might have just as many things going on. But one small thing, one small imperfect thing, it doesn't set our entire life on fire. Okay, we don't find ourselves alone in our house screaming. We don't find ourselves completely lost and completely unbalanced just because one thing goes wrong, because we're staying in step with God. And he's whispering truths to us. And he's whispering things like, it's going to be okay, or hey, this isn't that big of a deal. We have his perspective, his influence on our life. And so if you are like me, And your default is to not keep pace with God, but instead your default is to keep your own pace or to keep your calendar's pace. You and I, we need to reset our default. And the only ways that I have ever known how to do that is to spend intentional time regularly with God. Spend time reading his word, spending time with his influence around us, talking with him, not just sharing our agenda for the day, but listening for what his might be. We need to keep pace with God. That's what Enoch teaches us when he walked with God. We need to keep pace with him. We need to speed up for the things that God speeds up for and slow down and rest when he's slowing down and resting. Because when we do, like our verse said, a life at God's pace, it gives way to a life lived freely and lightly. A life that's near to his grace and love at all times. I don't know about you, but I want a life like that, and it happens when we keep pace with God. Something else happens when we walk with God like Enoch did, and you probably know this, but when you walk with someone, you don't only keep pace with them. No, you also go where they go. Like their direction is your direction. Their route is your route. Most importantly, their destination, where they're going, is where you're going. Another thing that we can learn from Enoch walking with God, go where God goes. Go where God goes. Go to the places that God goes. When we walk with God, we are to go where he goes, to see the people that he would see, to the places that he would go to. So where would that be? Where does God go? Well, I want to look at the words from one of Jesus' closest friends, a guy named John. Here's what he says. He says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God 
is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. See what John says, and we know this to be true, God is love. And so a life spent walking with God is probably a life spent walking in love. So when we ask ourselves a question like, hey, go where God goes, where would he go? Well, a good question to ask would be, where would love go? Who would love go to? What are the places that love would be? I think about where Jesus went for us. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus showed us that love would go anywhere. Love would do anything. Love would go to hard places, messy situations. Love would go anywhere. And so for us, when we think about walking with God and going where he goes, well, it might bring us to some hard places. It might bring us to some messy situations. Love, it might bring us out of our comfort zone. Going where love goes and going where God goes might mean telling the truth when it would be way easier to keep lying. Going where God goes, it might mean caring for someone who no one else cares about. Going where God goes, it might be in some of the messiest, most broken marriages, messiest, most broken situations, messiest and most broken life. But God, he is in the midst of those things. And so you and I, if we walk with him, we're going to be in the midst of those things as well. A good friend of mine uh, named Kristen, uh, she is a part of our Sertoma campus with her family. What's up, Sertoma, uh, by the way? And uh, Kristen has a story that I want to share with you that really helps kind of think through what this could look like uh, for us. So Kristen, she grew up uh, never having a good relationship with her dad. Uh, from everything that she's told me, uh, he just wasn't a good father. Kristen never felt loved or cared for by him. He never took a particular interest in her life. Uh, Kristen's mom, on the other hand, was the exact opposite. Loving, caring, the rock of her family, a role model for Kristen. Uh, Sadly, though, when Kristen was an adult, her mom passed away. She lost her mom. And so now what she's left with is a father that she's never been close to. And as she's grown her own family and has kids of her own, her dad's done the same thing to her kids, shown no interest, no love, no care for them either. Kristen's dad recently made a transition into an assisted living facility because he's no longer able to take care of himself fully. And so now all that he has is a group of paid staff members to care for him. And Kristen, of course. Kristen, the the daughter that he never showed interest in. Kristen is the mother of the grandkids that he's also never showed any love or care for. Kristen goes there regularly to show him that he is not alone. She goes there regularly to help him organize his bills, to help answer questions from the medical staff. Kristen owes him nothing. There is no reason for her to be in that assisted living facility except that's where God would go. Except that is where love would go. And so she goes. 
I asked her, I was like, this gotta be so hard for you. Like, how do you do this? How do you like gear up to be able to walk into that place and care for a man that has never cared for you? How do you do it? And she said, well, I read something online that really helped kind of put words uh, to this for me. Here's what she read. It said, you don't have to have feelings for another in order to love them. You can love for for the sheer joy of loving. Love doesn't have to have conditions placed on it, nor is it something another must deserve to receive. It is instead something that we were born to give. Again, God is love. And so when we walk with God, we go where love would go. Sometimes that is to hard places, messy situations, places that we would never want to go. Let me encourage you, if God would go, then you and I should go too. If God would, then you should go to the hard places and messy situations because that is where he would go. Go where God goes. I want to go back to our main verse from Enoch. Again, it says, after he became the father of Methuselah, Enoch walked faithfully with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Altogether, Enoch lived a total of 365 years. Enoch walked faithfully with God. And then he was no more because God took him away. Now, we haven't talked about this yet, but uh, God taking him away, it's understood to mean that Enoch actually never died. He was one of the few people uh, talked about in the Bible that actually never died. Instead, he was just taken up. And that's why we have this uh, picture for our graphic. It's essentially meant to see him walking into heaven, just taken up into heaven. Now, we don't know specifically what this looks like. We don't know if he walked upstairs. We don't know if angels came down and get him. We don't know if he just disappeared. He left his sandals on the ground. We don't know what that looked like. But what we do know is that Enoch did it. What we're talking about today, walking with God, keeping pace with God, staying in step with God, being near to his influence, going to the places that God would go, walking with God, we know that Enoch did it. Now again, we only have a couple of sentences about his life, so we don't know specifically what he did. But we do know that for 300 years, Enoch walked faithfully with God. And this is significant to you and I, because now we know that it's possible. Okay, far and away, the most underrated thing that Enoch teaches us is that walking with God is possible. Because think about this, Enoch was not God. Enoch wasn't Jesus. He wasn't even Adam or Noah. No, Enoch was just a footnote. Enoch was just a name in a long line of names and family members in Genesis chapter five. But actually he was anything but that. Instead, Enoch's life is a life worth learning from. Enoch's life is a life worth striving for. And it's a life that is possible. So what do we do with that? Well, for a lot of us, we just need to start walking. For a lot of us, we've just been kind of sitting around, kind of watching church, kind of just doing whatever, watching other people. We need to start walking with God. Some of us specifically, we need to keep pace with God, meaning that some of us need to slow down. We need to remove a couple of things from our life because it's just getting to be too much. But for some of us, we need to speed up. 
There's something that God's calling us to do and we know what it is and we need to just go do it. For some of us, when we were talking about going where God goes, some of us were like, ah, I'm not sure what that means. But for some of you in here, and some of you listening, you know exactly where that place is. And you need to start walking there. Because here's the cool thing about walking with God. We walk with him. We don't go alone. He goes with us. And so we need to go, and we need to go with confidence because, guys, this is possible. Enoch did it, so we can do it too. Start leaning in. Start reading your Bible regularly. Start talking to him. Start slowing down for the things he slows down for and speeding up for the things he speeds up for. Start going where he goes. It's possible. Let's do it. And if we do, we might not be taken up to heaven immediately, just like Enoch was, even though it was 300 years. We might not be taken up to heaven, but I promise you, if we do some of this stuff, we will bring heaven down to earth. So let's do it. Let's start walking with God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being the type of God that's willing to walk with us. God, thank you for not leaving us alone to try to figure out this life on our own, God, but you are with us. You are with us, God. So God, would you show us even right now what it would look like to walk with you? Would you show us right now what it would mean for us to be in regular connection with you, to regularly be in step with you, God? Would you show us what that would mean to have your influence on our life? Maybe it means reading scripture more regularly, praying more regularly, getting involved in a small group, whatever it is, God. Would you show us what that next step is for us, God? And would you give us the courage to walk into it? Would you give us the courage to walk to the places that you know we need to walk to and we know we need to walk to, God? God, we love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he was willing to go to the cross for us. Lord, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'd love to have you join us in person at one of our locations. You can find out more at IamEmbrace.com.